Good evening and welcome once again to yet another episode of Gillen Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. I, as ever, Mr. Roscoe Harold Vacant, and I'm joined once again by my dear friend and most bodacious of colleagues, Mr. Gil Rokotansky. Gil, how the devil are you, my friend? I'm heartbroken. You're heartbroken? Yeah. Oh no! What's up? <laughs> Nothing. I'm just fucking with you. I'm actually in a really good mood. Are Let's you? do this! <laughs> Yes! <laughs> Let's get this Let's... party grooving. <laughs> Pump it up a little more. Get the party going on the dance floor. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, my friend, the magic is coming. Just need to wait. Is it? <laughs> Just need to get the motor running a wee bit. But once the once we're up and running on the highway, <laughs> looking for adventure. Uh, and so Frank you're, you're... Sinatra singing my way. <laughs> oh, very good. We're freestyling. So, Gil, you are actually well? I am, yeah, for uh-huh. change. Despite being without without house at the well, present time? Technically, I'm really just... I was always going to be over at Anne's tonight anyway, uh-huh. but... Uh, <laughs> I, I have a problem with my shit pipe. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, buddy. <laughs> And the disturbing thing is... That's enough. It's been going on for a while, and I didn't know. <laughs> See, he didn't know. I didn't know, but you so That's a natural scent. As, well, I was a smoker. My mm-hmm. flat used to smell of smoke. Uh-huh. Now it kind of smells of uh, fucking blueberries and apples or whatever e-liquid it is I'm vaping. Of course, of course. But it's still kind of nice, but there's a... I live in a block of flats, and there's a there's a cupboard that has this giant pipe at the back of it uh-huh. that had a little leak, uh-huh. <laughs> and I called a plumber out to go. There's a wee leak in that cupboard, and he stuck some stuff over the leak and went that that'll be it. It should be fine now. And then, you know, I looked at it again two months later and realised there was a puddle. I was like, oh, I better get another plumber out. Another plumber came out and looked at it and went, oh, that's really bad. And I mean, you can even smell it. And I was like, smell what? He went, this is a sewage pipe. Oh, no. <laughs> Leaking oh. into my flat. And I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. What time's the bus? So, uh, yeah, there's a, a man's going to come and look at my shit pipe on... <laughs> Uh, on Wednesday morning. That's quite enough. That's quite enough. I've, I've enough enough swearing for one one episode, I think. Oh, sorry, my poop shoots then. <laughs> that's better. That's a, if, you could, if you could say it again, so that it doesn't sound quite as bad, that'd be lovely. Poop shoot. <laughs> Would you like you, can edit. Just, you want me to say it in an accent? You can edit that, and I'm sure. No, um, I'm not. Ed- you'll know edit. You want, no, nice, okay, you want it in a nice accent? Poop shoot. <laughs> Right, well, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Um, what about you? I mean, that that's my... Well, apart from going to London as well, but... Oh, yes, so let's hear about that, because I've got nothing exciting to say, so... <laughs> so, tell me about your trip to London. I went to London. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's to buy, next? To buy Heat magazine. Yep, we're going to London to buy, to buy magazine. magazine. Yep, uh-huh. that was... Um, uh, this is really sad, but the actress that was in that advert, her name is Elizabeth Bauer. Uh-huh. And she was, for a spell, one of the actresses in the BBC afternoon soap opera Doctors. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Yes, well, well done, you. I don't stalk people on the internet. <laughs> so what's her name, sorry? I think it was Elizabeth Bauer. So you've done Elizabeth Bone Nude uh, as, your, <laughs> as your, your first Google. If you type her name and then autocomplete just comes up nudes. And, uh, it's so funny because it's like any any female celebrity at all, if you type in their name into Google, the first thing that comes up most of the time is feet. Why is this? I don't know. This is strange. I want to set up a website where it's just lots of people with feet pretending to be celebrities. Like, can you get lookalike feet? You know, oh, my feet look just like uh, Justin Timberlake's feet. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Joe. Oh, come, come, girl. Don't be modest. That'd be the website address. <laughs> come, come, girl. Dot com. <laughs> look at my feet. Aren't they just like Joey Fatone's? <laughs> oh, poor, uh, poor Joey Fatone. So, Gil, you were in London. You were not buying Heat magazine. You were away seeing a pop group of some description. I was. I was uh, away to see a beat combo uh-huh. called Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine playing right. their last ever two shows ever, ever, ever. So that was at the Brixton Academy and the Shepherd's Bush Empire? Yes, but not in that order. Uh-huh. <laughs> so what was the... What was the kind of what was the set list like? Was it I knew you were going to say or? what was the set yeah. list? Oh, the set list was uh, nice and varied. I mean, there were album tracks. There was there was one track that they had only ever done live once previously, mm-hmm. which uh, was a track called "Evil," which is really good. It's a mad ranty thing, mm-hmm. but you know most of the listeners won't know what that means. But any Carter fans will go, "My God, they did Evil!" Yeah, it was awesome. And so that a B-side or something, or was it album track? Album track. Well, the thing go. about Carter that I always liked is that I didn't really care what the singles were because the albums were just filled with really good songs. Mm-hmm. They could have put out any track off an album and I'd have bought it as a single because it was worth it. And their B-sides were always really good. They did a really good run of uh, covers on their B-sides, like uh, Bed Sitter and. Down ah, the midnight and chill with that. It was ah. really good. It, but yeah, the gigs were fucking awesome, and it was really nice to see <laughs> so many people that I haven't seen in ages, and and like people that you only I'm see sorry, on Facebook just, and message boards. I've just, I'm sorry. I have what to have you, what you. have you done? <laughs> I kind of no tell you this. I just, I thought, I thought I'd Google bed sitter to see, just Be- like bed to see her feet. No. <laughs> So the first thing that comes up, and you just say, search bed sitter, I find this a great song to poo to. Gen- <laughs> generally, I am constipated, but this frees my bowels, and I release really quickly. <laughs> That's the description and the video. 
Were you looking up Bedsitter to see who did Bedsitter? No, I know who did Bedsitter, of course, you silly bastard. That's that's not the first thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's B78 on YouTube. <laughs> so well done, you. Um, we're really, really going with the like fucking jobby talk tonight, aren't we? We are. There we go. Me with my fucked up pipe and <laughs> and them telling me that I should listen to bed sitter more often. There we go. There we go. But yeah, so, it's, it's yes. fucking awesome. And uh, I got to see our uh, mutual friend Johnny Monolos, uh little baby hunter, Aww. who is just fucking awesome he's adorable and i think i heard him cry for maybe 10 to 15 seconds in the whole five days that i was there oh so well very well behaved young man yep uh, he's he is adorable i was gonna put him in my backpack and just steal him but oh uh, they were taking him swimming when i was leaving so they had him in a pram very cool <laughs> i should have just knocked him out and run away I've got a baby! That would be an interesting present to bring back, wouldn't it? Absolutely. I think good time in London. Here's a baby. There you go. So very cool. So that's that's awesome. And uh, speaking of Johnny Monolith, you'll be doing uh, your annual uh, your annual Christmas event. Yes, Bastards Christmas 4 mm-hmm. at Stereo in Renfield Lane in Glasgow mm. with uh, hordes of unstoppable skeletons, which is, of course, our sexy selves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Le Grand Horizontal, mm-hmm. which uh, you know, so many people that listen to this podcast will be familiar with the the Glasgow like unsigned indie scene of the early two thousands, I assume. So that's like Gary from Gabara and that, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, the Hate Eighties, who oh. are just fucking incredible. Very good. <laughs> Uh-huh. And uh, Dust, which, uh, yeah, again, for people that are well-versed with the underground Glasgow music scene, that's Bram from Texture and Asthmatic Astronaut and somebody else Very who cool. I can't remember. But, yeah, you'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. Definitely. Yeah. Just try and stop me. <laughs> We've tried. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there it is. It is going to be a good night. Mm, sounds sounds excellent. Sounds very good. I'm looking cool. forward to it. I'm going to strut my funky stuff. As ever. As <laughs> ever. Well, obviously. Yeah. When don't I? Well, this is it, man. This is it. But tell us what you've been up to, apart from... Well, uh, I know one thing you haven't been up to, and that is going to see Interstellar. Yes, absolutely. I turned up to see Interstellar, then realised it was three three hours long, and said, <laughs> "Fuck F- this, f this." <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to see it tomorrow when I've got my car and I can drive home. So I mean that's uh, that should be absolutely cool. Um, so yeah, I will have a full uh, a full report for next week's show when it's out of the cinemas. Awesome. Um, <laughs> are you are you going to have some nachos? Um, I think I probably will. It's the it's the IMAX. I don't know if they even do things like that, do they? They do now. They didn't used do to, they? and it always annoyed me. But now that Cineworld have taken over, they've got like nachos and hot dogs. Very cool, my friend. Very cool. Yeah, nachos so- are only seventy three pounds. 
Yeah, they're very expensive when you go to the go to the old pictures. There we go. I've, I, I've been to the pictures too. I know, I know, but you go to a really cheap one. Yeah, I also, but I didn't make it on cheap day. I went on Orange Wednesday. What did you go to the pictures to see? I went to see Mockingjay Part One. Ah, how was that? I I enjoyed it. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it was really sad seeing Philip Seymour Hoffman on the big screen. Oh no! And that'll so. only ever happen one more time. Mm-hmm. Oh, but Julianne Moore's in it as well. Mm-hmm. And of course, that makes this, I think, the third film that Julianne Moore and Philip Seymour Hoffman have been in together, mm-hmm. because they're both in uh, Boogie Nights and uh-huh. Magnolia. Oh, so there you go. Yeah, very cool. Um, so yeah, I was going to say uh, just when we're kind of, you know, talking about the the cinema and the the big screen and the. You know the smell of the popcorn and the <laughs> the grease paint and whatever else happens there. I don't know. We usually just download things illegally, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, the trailer for uh, or the teaser trailer rather for uh, Star Wars: The Force. What is it again? The, the Force Awakens. The Force Awakens. Yeah, um, has launched. What did you think of the trailer? No, what did you think of the trailer? I always um, have to go first. It's your turn. Uh-huh. Well, I will tell you what I thought of the trailer. I thought it was uh, very exciting and very excellent. There was a little jump scare, and you know what I'm like with my jump scares. Um, it's a kid's film. There wasn't a jump scare. There was a, a jump scare. Up. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. And I was like, oh! <laughs> so... Yeah, I really liked it. I thought the uh, uh, I liked that it was full of Star Warsy stuff, and it felt um, it didn't feel too overblown. There's a great version of the trailer where it's the George the Lucas one, George Lucas special edition, where it's just like tons of stuff just added to it. Yeah. Um, I I really liked it, and I'm I'm very hopeful. I think. I think you can make a trailer look like anything, though, and I, th- I think you can a trailer can make anything look good. But I, I'm increasingly cautiously optimistic, and um, yeah, I'm just just excited. I'm, I, I think seeing that and seeing, you know, the, they didn't go for any of the big names or anything. They didn't have Mark Hamill or um, or Harrison Ford or anything like that, or Car- Carrie Fisher, and I think that was a really good thing. I think that it's going to be good to just get a drip, drip, drip of Star Wars stuff for the next year. Yeah. Um, and I'm definitely sold on it. I'm definitely very excited. People also, I mean, people have posted the Phantom Menace trailer and they've said, oh, this makes the Phantom Menace look amazing. It doesn't really. It doesn't. But then also, are we maybe saying that in hindsight because we're so familiar with the Phantom Menace now? We are, we are, we are familiar with the characters and we're familiar with where everything goes. So maybe maybe we are viewing it with hindsight because particularly when you see the reactions of other people uh, to that, it's, it's overwhelmingly positive. So perhaps yeah. we are looking at it with uh, brown-tinted spectrum. Oh, uh, it's just staying at that level, isn't it? As, as, it I'm really sorry. is. <laughs> there we go. But yeah, that uh, that trailer I did I did really like it because it it had a lot of things where you look at it and you go that's that's a nice practical effect. Mm-hmm. Like even that little droid where it was like a ball. Uh huh. That looks like that exists. Uh huh. 
you know, maybe it's just incredible CGI, but that looks like an actual thing that somebody's gone, I could make this and it'd be funny. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, that jump scare that you were mentioned, it, it did get a lot of reaction from the internets, which is something that we shouldn't ignore because people are dicks in the world. Uh-huh. And I, I, I don't understand it, to be honest. But... Yeah, it's... For anybody that hasn't seen it, the first person that you see in the new Star Wars trailer is black. And a lot of people went, oh, the there's like a black... St-. Well, some people were complaining that he was uh, a black stormtrooper and that all stormtroopers should be basically Jango Fett because stormtroopers are clones, which shows that they're fucking idiots anyway because all those stormtroopers would be well dead by this mm-hmm. point in the timeline. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, he is one of the main characters in the film. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people were going, oh, one of the main characters in the film is a black guy. That's that's me out. And you're like, well, you're a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, well, this... Well, Lando Calrissian. Uh... La- Lando Calrissian, yep. But I was just going to say, this is not 1742. No, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's fucking ridiculous that people have these complaints. But... Uh-huh. The actor that plays that character, I can't remember what his name is, but he dealt with it quite nicely on Instagram. Uh-huh. Where he, he'd printed out a piece of paper. This kind of annoyed me. He didn't do like, just like a screen capture, but he printed out a piece of paper with his message on it and then took a photograph. And I'm like, fucking, what are you doing, granddad? <laughs> You're killing trees for this. But he basically just said thank you to all the people that have been really nice about mm-hmm. the trailer, and at the bottom of it, it says, to whom it may concern, get over it. Uh-huh. So it's John Boyega. Is the That's guy it, name? yep. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But yeah, yeah. I, I think that the trailer looked really, really fucking good. No, I'm, ve- I'm very excited, I have to say, and I, I, I kind of, it kind of inspired me to go back through them, um, and go back through the Half in the Bag reviews as well, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited, I have to say, and I'm kind of glad that it's happening. The other, the other trailer I was going to mention just uh, before we move on was um, the Jurassic World trailer. Yes. <laughs> Which has Chris Pratt. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, countdown to Chris Pratt becoming annoying and overused. Well, Starts now. <laughs> when When is that one released? Is that one for... Well... I know that Star Wars is December 2015. Uh, Jurassic World's before that, I think. Right. Is mm-hmm. it? Is it May? Or is it? No, May is Mad Max, which is, mm-hmm. of course, the most important film that's being released next year. There's another like an Avengers film as well. Oh, who cares? Age, Age of Ultron. There's a Mad Max film. Get over it. Ah. <laughs> no other films are going to matter at all. There we go. We're all going to be going to see Fury Road over and over and over again. It's going to break every box office record and... And this time next year, you'll be mocking me for having been so positive sounding about the film before. I'm sure. Sh- no, no, I'm sure I won't. I'm sure I won't. Uh, with with any any luck, it'll be. Uh, I'll be changing my name. <laughs> That'll be what happens if it's a pile of shit on May the sixteenth. I'll just change my name. Mm-hmm. Who's that Rockatansky fella? I've no idea. Very cool. No, because Rockatansky's Mad Max's son name. I know it is. Yeah, but just in case other people didn't. Right, that's okay. Okay, shh, shh, don't tell them. Right, we won't, <laughs> we won't. Um, but I was going to say about the, the Star Wars trailer that a lot of people uh-huh. have been have been saying, well, this is how we all felt about The Phantom Menace. But uh-huh. The Phantom Menace was made by George Lucas, 
and we all saw how gloriously he kind of fucked up the the Star Wars stuff. I mean, like the you were mentioning the like the reviews that you can watch online and the red letter media ones. Oh, that was the one I meant. Yeah, I, they, I said half in the bag, but it's the same people. Yep. But they they perfectly highlight the fact that they would kind of start filming with concept ideas, mm-hmm. but without this incredible finished script. I mean, I think uh-huh. you should always start a film with the script, not mm-hmm. what are the fucking ships going to look like? Who cares? Mm-hmm. But because he basically finished the. I mean, they they were kind of still writing the script halfway through, weren't they? No. Yeah, and that's but that's Alien Three as well, and we all mm-hmm. know how good that turned out. Uh huh. But a lot of people have been quite negative about it because we had those three films. Mm-hmm. But the way I look at it is that George Lucas made the first three films as this kind of homage to like King of the Rocket Men and Flash Gordon and all these like black and white serials that he used uh-huh. to watch as a kid and war movies and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And he's not making seven eight and nine so what i'm hoping is that seven eight and nine are star wars films that are being made by people who are making them as a homage to the star wars films that he Mm -hmm. originally made Mm -hmm. as i said to somebody last night imagine a star wars trilogy made by people who all understand that empire strikes back is the best star wars film ever made Uh oh Well, I mean, I, I think the thing with George Lucas was that he kind of lost sight of what was what was great and what he managed to achieve um, with the, the original Star Wars movies. I think he kind of just forgot about that in favour of making things that were toyetic. Yeah, well, that's the... the I mean, would uh, 1, 2 and 3 have turned out as shit as they did if George Lucas hadn't made that deal back in the day uh-huh. Uh, he would take the merchandising rights. Well, this is that. This is that. And I only just thought of that. Mm-hmm. We're riffing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there's probably some people going, move on from Star Wars. I hate But them. no, <laughs> but truth, truthfully, you've got a, it's actually a great idea to take, um, maybe not from as young as what Anakin is in the first film, but certainly to see how, I mean, an example you could have would be the likes of the Harry Potter films where Daniel Radcliffe genuinely does just get older yeah. as things go along. If they'd done something like that with Star Wars, it would have been magic, in my opinion. It could have been great. And you could have had that progression, that kind of logical progression and that a kind of slow build. Whereas the way that you get dropped in in, in the second film is... Um, he's, oh, all, we're, he's all of a we're, sudden old. We're in a left. He's having a conversation with uh-huh. Obi-Wan about yep. how he shouldn't try and have sex with the princess. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's just appalling. Uh-huh. You could almost entirely skip the first film, really. No, you can. You, there's, actually, so... there's, a, there's a... I can't remember what the name for it is, but there's a, a way of watching the films in a different order that is supposed to mirror this whole oh it's like visual poetry thing that uh-huh. Lucas keeps going on about that makes it a bit more interesting but episode one is missed out it's just mm-hmm. not there at all mm-hmm. but if he'd wanted to do that whole it's like visual poetry thing then shouldn't the first 
time we see Anakin have been him at the age we see Luke. Well, fair enough. Aye, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And also, see when it gets to episode three, see that baby mm-hmm. at the end of episode three? Looks bugger all like Mark Hamill. <laughs> and that just kills it for me. It's like they couldn't even get a decent enough baby to double for Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. Well, there it is. But yeah, apart from that, there it is. what have you been watching? What have I been watching this week? Um, oh, I've lost my... I've lost my list. Let me just find it. There it's so go. adorable that you make wee lists. I make a wee list because I always forget. Um, I watched uh, House on Haunted Hill. I decided I'd uh, dive back into that, the original, um, with Vincent Price. Uh, so that was a real treat. Um, have you seen that? I have, yeah. Of course you have. Of course you have. No, it's public was, domain. It's Vincent. <laughs> of course you have. Public domain. No, I was going to say, of course I have. It's Vincent Price. And I really like Vincent Price films. No. Yeah, yeah. No, public domain. Of course I have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. That comes free with your girl. You get that. You get that already installed on your girl. Um, so that's. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, uh, also saw Black Sabbath, uh, Mario Bava um, anthology film. So it's kind of psychedelic, uh, psychedelic portmanteau type film. Um, you just love that... saying portmanteau, don't you? Yeah, I do. Starring, Everybody uh, does. <laughs> Starring Port uh, Portmanteau, <laughs> starring uh, Boris Karloff. Um, so that's I think that's the first one, and then Black Black Sunday came after that. I think there's Black Sabbath and Black Sunday. I might be wrong. I've never seen Black um, Sunday. Have you seen Black Sabbath? Uh huh. But I've never right. never seen cool. Black Sunday. But that, it Black Sunday. You're, you're, conf- some... you're confusing me because this Sunday is the Sabbath. I know, yeah, it's certainly the best title. And then we've only just recently passed Black Friday as well. Oh, don't even... Oh, Black Friday. I don't even... Why are we doing it in the UK? I don't know. I mean, see, to be honest, that's the... People have said, oh, this has been happening for years in the UK. It hasn't really. It's kind of only really been this year that the big retailers have have actually started doing it. I think um, I think three years ago was the first uh-huh. time that it was properly like a Black Friday thing. Uh-huh. But I blame the internet for that because you get like Amazon.com does their mm-hmm. Black Friday thing. And, and then a couple of years ago, they started doing Black Friday deals for Amazon.co.uk, which is an entirely different website. So... Yes, so Black Sunday is a separate film. That's the that's the earlier of the two, and then Black Sabbath is the um, is the later of the two. So there, there you go. Um, also, so uh, my folks bought me uh, Spider Woman, which is um, one of the Basil Rathbone uh, Sherlock Holmes movies. Yeah. So that was that was very good. So I enjoyed that. That was uh, a bit of uh, retro fun. Um, he was a great Sherlock. Holmes. He was a great Sherlock Holmes, absolutely. And I mean, I've only seen like Terror by Night and The Secret Weapon, and obviously Spider Woman. Um, but you yeah, not seen his, was. you've not seen his Hound of the Baskervilles. I don't think so. No, I don't oh, think it's, so. It's superb. It's really good. Yeah, I've got the Peter Cushing one. I've got the Peter Cushing one of that, and I've obviously got the Jeremy Brett one. Um, but, yeah. obviously 
Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. So, um, yeah, apart from that, I also watched Best Worst Movie, uh, which is a documentary about uh, Troll 2, and it follows various members of the cast um, of Troll 2. The, uh, the, of course, the main character was a dentist. That's right. That's right. The father is a the father in the film is a a Utah dentist. So it kind of starts off with his kind of story and people talking about what what a great guy he is, and you don't really know what what they're going to tell you. And then they say, and about fourteen years ago he was in this film, and <laughs> so they they then just start introducing how mad this film is and and all the crazy stuff that happens in it, and it goes into detail about. Uh, all of the kind of conventions that have happened uh, that are based in the film, the number of bad movie nights that have been based on that and how they've, they've tried to re- reassemble the cast for various reunions and stuff like that. So, yeah, that was really good fun. So uh, uh, that one's on... I think that That's on Netflix. UK Netflix might also be in the US, I'm not sure. He loves uh, being that guy from that film. Oh, I know, I know. It's just so. I think he just loves being that guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's just, uh, just great. I, I really dug it. I have to say. Yeah, I've I've seen that before as well, and it's it is really entertaining. I've never actually seen Troll Two. I've only seen the um, even although even although the theme tune has got like a, it's, a bit of Troll Two in yep. it. Um, yeah, I've never. Uh, I've only seen like the highlights. Which which is probably most of it, but um, yeah. Aside for that, I also saw Galaxy Quest. Oh, uh, I watched Galaxy Quest about two weeks ago. There you go. It's absolutely amazing. I was. Was that the first time you'd seen it? Yeah, that's the first time I'd seen it. <sighs> Superb film. Yeah, I was totally in love with that. So if, if people haven't seen that, that's um, about basically the crew of a uh, uh, sorry the the cast of a sci-fi show uh, I think it's kind of it's supposed to be 80s or late 80s early 90s yeah. um, type cheesy sci-fi show um, a, a cancelled and forgotten <laughs> sci-fi uh-huh. show basically like. sure called Galaxy Quest yep. who are doing the rounds and doing um, doing doing the convention circuit and they get approached by real aliens and their their commander gets gets uh, and the, the, the aliens believe them to be a real team, and that this is a historical document of their bravery. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just basically that they get roped into this uh, real adventure uh, in space, and it was utterly fantastic. And I totally recommend it to anyone who's who likes the sound of that because it's just yeah. as fun as it sounds. So it's like Sigourney Weaver, oh. uh, Tim Tim Allen, um, Alan Rickman. Alan Reichman, my goodness. Sam Rockwell as well. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. So very, very good and definitely worth checking out if people have got time to, to do that. Oh, it's great. I love the fact that the aliens have completely recreated the entire ship. Yeah. In fact, make the time to, to watch it because it is that good. Yeah, it is. I've Fantastic. Watched, I've watched it several times. Smiling from year to year by the time <laughs> it was finished. So, I was, yeah, I was chuffed. I love the aliens' voices in it. Yeah, we can't do it. We can't do impressions. We can't do impressions. Um, So, Gil, 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 Gil. Yes? What have you been watching this week, my friend? Uh, The Exorcist 1, 2, and 3. Oh, the the Exorcist 1. Is that a film, is it? Yes. 
Right, okay. Have you never seen The Exorcist 1? I'm just going to pretend that there isn't an Exorcist 2 and 3, to be honest. Seriously? Uh-huh. I mean, like, like, the heretic, yeah, the heretic can pretty much go and suck a bag of dicks, but have you never watched Exorcist 3? No, I've never seen Exorcist 2 or 3. Exorcist 3 is superb, because it's, uh-huh. it's based on William Peter Blatty's sequel novel to uh-huh. The Exorcist, which was called Legion, which... Uh-huh. It's a great book. It's about a serial killer. And it's the detective from the first film. Mm-hmm. Although uh, it's not all the same cast, because, of course, some of them were dead. But William Peter Blatty didn't actually want it to be called Exorcist 3. He wanted mm-hmm. it just to be called Legion, because that was the name of the book. He didn't want it to be so closely tied to Exorcist mm-hmm. that people would be expecting ah. to be an exorcism and stuff like that. So there is... There's an exorcism shoehorned in and stuff like that, but there's, right. there are different versions available, but Exorcist 3 is a really, really good film. There we go. The, Heri- the Heretic is not a good film, mm-hmm. but it's got Richard Burton in it. <laughs> um, okay, so guys, we'll have a short break there. We've done uh, more than enough yammering, I think. Um, we'll have a, a short break there. And then, Gil, would you pre- which would you prefer to discuss first? Um, I think probably start off with... I think we should start off with the Monster Squad, because I'm still in a good mood, and I don't want that to change. That sounds cool. Okay, <laughs> so let's let's do that. So we'll take a short break there. We'll be back to discuss the Monster Squad, and we'll be back after this. Hey, Cherish. It's 8 o'clock. Is it time to get the show on the screen, or what? Do you enjoy watching films with friends? Do you like to consume vats of alcohol? It's the 40s and some bitches, babe. Yeah. Me? I like beer. If you like all that and none of those artsy-fartsy films... Does this mean we don't get to go to the Fellini Festival? Fuck the Fellini Festival? Then watch and listen to Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. Every Wednesday, myself and a rotating panel of the filthiest podcasters I can muster up give you our comments, observations, and sometimes we might actually talk about the film as we class up some of your favorite films the only way we know how. As raunchy as we can. What's this movie, PG? Oh, yeah. This podcast sure is fucking. Not only do you get the audio, but the video that goes with it. Just listen to the shit that comes out of these filthy pirates. <laughs> you don't need to get an erection when your cock's full of rigor mortis. <laughs> fucking curb stomp a baby for a bacon. <laughs> I think the moral of the story is don't let Corky run Cerebro. Unforgivable. If you could stand all that. Come and get your fill and your fix of Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. All the cool kids are doing it. Two Drink Minimum Commentaries is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. And we're back uh, to discuss 1987's The Monster Squad. It was directed by Fred Decker, written by Shane Black and Fred Decker. It's and... a Black and Decker production! Boom! You've been waiting for that one. I fucking have. I know you have. totally waiting for that. <laughs> so I, I was thinking, you know, uh, how am I going to fit that in? Uh-huh. But I just ended up not caring and blurting it out. There we go. Very cool. I was going to say, this is a piece of Black & Decker work, mate. Oh, work, mate. Very good. You're <laughs> yeah. there. Oh, my goodness. You're on fire. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> okay. Um... Okay, so it stars Andre Gower as Sean, uh, Robbie 
Kiger as Patrick. Uh, uh, Stephen Macht as Dell. So presumably that's the scary German guy. No, that's, no, no, scary Leonardo, German guy is uh, scary German guy. Uh, Leonardo Camino. Dell is the detective who's ah, see, Sean see. and Phoebe's dad. Mm-hmm. Duncan Regeer as Count Dracula. Tom Noonan as Frankenstein's monster. Brent Shalom as Horace. Ryan Lambert as Rudy. Ashley Bank as Phoebe. And Michael Festino as Eugene. Okay. Leonardo so, Cimino as Scary German Guy. Yeah, that's what I said, didn't I? Oh, did you? Sorry. Yeah, I did. So, a young group of monster fanatics attempt to save their hometown from Count Dracula and his army of monsters. So, there we go. Um, you don't really need yeah. to say much more about it than that, do you? Well, no, it's, it's maybe worth starting off just by uh, kind of giving the, the kind of basic setup. The The film starts with a kind of scroll, uh, scroll and introduction that tells you basically the setup. Um, for the for the the film, where uh, Abraham Van Helsing uh, trying to uh, use as an amulet, it's a thing that, that I'm sure be... it's an amulet. That's the name of it, an indestructible amulet, anyway. That is used to cast. That can be used once every hundred years to cast uh, the forces of evil into limbo. Yep. Correct. Yes. Uh, I didn't realise it was a quiz. <laughs> yep. But they fail. They fail to do that, and that's uh, that's how the film starts out. the The first sequence that we see um, is uh, a mirror of the uh, the the start of the nineteen thirty one version of Dracula, uh, which is it's fantastic, complete with aardvarks and uh, everything else that that. Uh, uh, Transylvanian castle uh, could expect to have. Um, Are there I, many aardvarks in Transylvania? <laughs> I don't know. I've never really looked it up, but there's certainly uh, there's there's an aardvark in the in the introduction to to 1931 Dracula. Do you know that so the aardvark is actually called Otis? Like his real name. Is it really? Aye. It is. Otis the aardvark. My goodness, there's a there's a blast for the past. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, so that's how it starts, and uh, villagers are storming the castle. You've got Abraham Van Helsing uh, trying to arrange for this kind of ceremony to take place with a, a virgin reading a re- reading certain a certain script, um, and then following on from that, they fail, and we're introduced to our main characters. So Sean and Patrick are two kind of main heroes. Sean being the kind of smart heroic kid, uh, Patrick being his kind of goofy mate, um, Horace, who's who they call Fat Kid, um, and his friend Rudy, who's this kind of cool guy, cool kid at school, who uh, helps out Horace and his time in eat, which is really awesome. Then we get basically introduced to Dracula and his plan, which, okay, that's pro- probably... There are there are elements in the film that aren't really very clearly explained, like why are they heading to, why are they heading to this small town? Yeah, uh, they're heading to this small town to get Frankenstein out of the lake, aren't they? No, I thought because... that the lake was in that small town, and that's why they were going there. 
Yeah, the reason that they're in, they're in the small town is because Abraham Van Helsing's relatives, um, they emigrated to that part of the world. Ah. Uh. So it's never really explained. The obviously the coffin is dropped from the World War Two bomber. Um. So in in that yeah. town. <clears throat> yeah, in that town, just by chance. Just just everybody's just going there. Oh, so there's a lot of coincidence. Yeah, but that's because Dracula stole Frankenstein's coffin. But I suppose we could just say it, it's like it's like Buffy and the Hellmouth thing. Yeah, we're trying to explain a lot of stuff. Anyways, <laughs> there's nothing to explain. It's uh, Dracula is basically putting a team together, getting the band back together, um, and that culminates with the creature for the Black Lagoon rising from the swamp, holding Frankenstein's coffin, um, Dracula standing over him, and putting electrodes in his neck, and reviving them and so on. So that's uh, so we've got the mummy, Frankenstein's monster, creature for the Black Lagoon, the Wolfman, and uh, who else did I say? Is there anybody else? I would just like to Dracula. Try, yeah. I would just like to correct you on one tiny point. What's that? Now? The electrodes aren't on Frankenstein's neck. Oh yeah, in, well, no, in they're on his head, right? On his forehead because they couldn't go too close to the like copyrighted images of any of the characters, so they had to change them. Just enough the they weren't reproducing. Oh, really? Yeah. So this isn't a Universal picture, or no? Who was made this? this? Uh, was it TriStar? Oh my goodness! I'll, I'll just uh, quickly check. Uh-huh. Uh, it was TriStar? Yep. There we go. Because that was always a thing with the um with the uh, hammer. Uh, Frankenstein films, basically Universal's lawyers were breathing down their necks uh, during the filming. Yeah, you can't make you can't make your Frankenstein look too much like Frankenstein. Yeah, well, they needed to use the book as a source material, and obviously they didn't. But um, that was basically what they were being told that they needed to do was to get to get as far away from that as they could. Yeah, so that's why they they made it that he's got these thick staples all around uh-huh. his forehead and everything, where his face right. has been stuck on and. That's what they stick the electrodes onto. Mm. Very interesting. But yeah, it is the I can't remember what Universal Monsters you mentioned now, but yeah, it's Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Mummy, and Creature from the Black Lagoon. Sure. No Invisible Man, and thankfully no Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, that's that. He would have easily defeated those kids just by playing them some opera. Yep. Um, and again, so... Yeah, so that's the setup, and the kids have basically they they by chance um, happen upon uh, Abraham van Helsing's diaries, which are in German. Um, so they enlist the help of a scary German guy, who's a, a guy that lives in their neighbourhood, and uh, adventure ensues, and it's yeah. Um, yeah, fantastic, but actually very scary and very gory for a kids' film. Well, you, thought it? you say a kids' film, but I remember it being a fifteen. There we go. That's the the weird thing. This is that it looks like a kids' film, mm-hmm. but for I think it might even just be the language that just uh-huh. pushed it over the edge for the uh-huh. the BBFC. There's quite a lot of gory moments, though. I mean, for example, the the Wolfman gets his legs cut off at one point, and <laughs> yeah. there's like 
He's, I think he's like the bottom half of him just isn't there. Um, so, so yeah, there's lots of stuff like that, and there's there's actually like a, a police officer gets blown up as well. Yeah, and the Wolfman gets blown up too. So there we go. So it's yeah, it's, it's like, slightly different. It's it's like Gremlins, <laughs> you know. It's, yep. Gremlins is a it's made as a kids' film, and in the UK they went, "We're sorry." <laughs> You have to cut things to make this a PG, and they went, yep. "Nah, you're all right. Just leave it." <laughs> but just if you think about like the, the the one of the great things about this is that it, I mentioned that the introduction to this mirrors the first sequence in Dracula. Yeah. But all the way through, each of the each of the monsters' kind of more iconic moments are replayed in this film. Um, so, for example, "Walk Me Up," I'm a werewolf. Um, from some of the Wolfman movies, yep. um, so you've got you've got obviously Warren Talbot uh, begging to be to be locked up in some of the in some of the Wolfman movies, and this this kind of copies that. Um, he went for a little walk um, <laughs> sequence from from the Mummy. That's kind of replayed in the in the, the museum. Um, Doc Mister Alucard from Son of Dracula that gets used. Yep. Um, the Alive sequence is replayed with Dracula playing the playing the the uh, playing the, the role of Frankenstein. Um, so I mean, there's there's loads of stuff, loads of examples where uh, the film has taken inspiration from um, from these classic films. So yeah, it's, it's it's fantastic from that side and and thoroughly entertaining. Doesn't hit you over the head with what it's trying to do. Um, it kind of takes a few kind of good-natured pokes at the genre um, to do it. Like there's a, a an in, an in-movie movie called uh, Groundhog Day Part Twelve, um, which is obviously like a Friday the Thirteenth style film, yeah, or Halloween style film, and. Um, the kid and his dad watch it on the uh, well, Sean and his dad watch it on the roof of their house with their uh, it's, it's playing at the local drive through so they've both got binoculars and they've got a little radio to pick up the, the radio signal um, so that was really funny uh, what else? There's, oh, there's tons so much yeah. this is a film that you're quite familiar with though that I had never seen as you know as we've mentioned before it was yeah it's 82 minutes long, and I saw that as being a false economy for a £1.50 video hire. <laughs> <laughs> I like your thinking. Yeah, fuck this movie. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm going to get like once upon a time in America. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this being my first time seeing it, I mentioned on Facebook that I was watching it for the first time ever, and quite a few people said uh, it wouldn't stand up. Mm-hmm. I, I think it did. To be honest, but maybe that's just because I really, really love the Universal Monsters. But I, I still think that this film held up really well. And then I watched the documentary about the making of it, huh? and so we should we should say that we received uh, received these as gifts from yes. a, a listener slash friend, Martin McNeil. Um, so big shout out to him because he. He gave us copies of both. Uh, the twentieth anniversary. So very much appreciated for that. So that's really cool. Or is it thirtieth anniversary? No, twentieth. I'm, I'm just making myself yes. seem fucking old. Twentieth. <laughs> I am old, but yes. yeah, yeah. That was that was a a brilliant gift, and I had 
I'd been wanting to watch it for ages, but I decided that I wouldn't watch it until when we were finally going to talk about it. Uh-huh. And then it just kind of kept slipping back and slipping back and eventually got the opportunity to watch it. And I was so happy when I was watching the documentary and uh, I think it was Shane Black was talking about it and how one of the big influences on it was Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is a film that I had to persuade you to watch. So That's I great. had to, so I had to persuade you to watch a film that inspired a film that you had to persuade me to watch. There we go. So well, we're fair enough. Even Stevens now. Even Stevens, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I thought this was a great film. I I really liked yeah. it. It was like the amulet of pure good. The it can only be destroyed once every one day every hundred years. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of kids. Like, I imagine they're like the Goonies, but I've never seen the Goonies. <laughs> there we go. I imagine the Goonies is awful compared to this. Oh. <laughs> I imagine that the Goonies is just rotten. But it's got yep. it's got my celebrity boyfriend in it, doesn't it? I think it does, yeah. It, it does, so. yeah. I, I think. I've never seen it, though. So there, there are holes in your knowledge, after all. There are holes in my knowledge, but uh, I'm very glad that you have filled my hole. There we go. Um, and, it, and it also has a Tim Woodruff Jr. in it uh-huh. as well, which is nice for horror fans, because he plays okay. the Gill Man in this. Ah, there we go. And, okay. of course, he's he is the, the man that most of us are watching whenever we see... An alien in the Aliens series because he's the I think he's the only person to have worked on every Alien film or something like that. Like he's at, he's even in Alien versus Predator and that that sequel that they've made for that for some reason. I think they only made Alien versus Predator Requiem so that Alien versus Predator could look good in hindsight. Yep. So very much a, a thumbs up. Um, for me, definitely worth recommending. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else you know, worth, worth noting. Um, well, Tom, I really liked... Tom Noonan, uh-huh. he's, he's definitely worth noting because he, of course, is in the brilliant, brilliant film, The Last Action Hero. There we go. Does he portray in that? He's the the bad guy, in it, the, the one that escapes from the film, the one with the axe. Uh-huh. Is it Jack? No. But he's the big tall guy. But he was also in House of the Devil. Oh, so he is. Of course he has. Yeah. Just seen his picture there. Yeah, I've recognised him. Although, when you watch the documentary, oh. I don't know if you've watched the documentary. I haven't. I haven't. He's He seems like a bit of an odd duck. Does he, I? <laughs> yeah. I was going, I, I didn't want the kids to see me not as Frankenstein. And uh-huh. I followed Stan Winston around and started calling him Dada. Which he found a bit odd, and I'm thinking anybody would find that a bit odd. You crazy yeah. bastard! <laughs> I just, I need to be in character. Like you don't, you don't wander about calling random people dada. <laughs> That's, there we go. But yeah, it's it's a really really good film. We can't really spoil too much about it. But I was, I found it very sad that uh, Fat Kid is no longer with us. Oh, has he passed away? <laughs> No, he has passed away. Were you thinking I was going to make a joke about it there? But no, he died of pneumonia. Oh. Yeah. Well, but, I'm sorry to kill that. But, 
Well, I think it was pneumonia. I'm now doubting uh-huh. whether it was pneumonia because he was in Vegas at the time. And I've, right. I've been in Vegas and it's roasting there. <laughs> right. So I've got uh, two quality quotes from the film. Um, Wolfman's got and, nards. No, t- no, 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 no. <laughs> I finally know what that comes from. Uh-huh, there we go. So, yeah, Wolfman dork. I know that, carry on, no. Um, I was just going to point out that when they leave scary German scary German guy's house, have you been say, thinking? No. <laughs> they say you sure know a lot, an awful lot about monsters, and then he goes, "Yeah, I guess I do." And he closes his door, and he's got a tattoo on his. Oh man, that that was the scene where when I was watching this, I was like, "This is not entirely a kids' film." That was yeah, that was so. It's ba- it basically, he's got a concentration camp. Uh, number on his on his arm. Yep, uh, which is great because because the the all the way through it they kind of insinuate that he's a Nazi. So there's like a a, a bomber, a model of a bomber, uh, in his house, and there's also mention of um, there's mention of are we still at war with Germany? No, we're at war with G- Vietnam. I saw it in Rocky. Yeah, uh, sorry, in Rambo. Um, I saw it in Rocky. So, Adrian, <laughs> I love you. It's a different film, different thing. Shut up. <laughs> the the other um, the other quote that I, I thought I'd highlight that I very much enjoyed was uh, Eugene writing the letter to the army guys. Oh, he's he's adorable. Dear army guys, come quick! There are monsters, Eugene. Yep. And then they turn up at the end. Oh, where is... are these monsters? <laughs> Fantastic. Which one of you kids is Eugene? <laughs> yep. And so fat yes. kid with the shotgun as well. <laughs> My name is Horace. Oh, I say Horace. Oh, you screwed it up. He's he's a man called Horace. There we go. Okay, doc. Um, so yes, so we shall have a short break there, and then we'll be back to discuss the wonderful uh, Dracula Untold. This is the film that the world has been waiting on. Looking for something to fill that deep, horrible, dirty void inside? Then look no further than the podcast Under the Stairs. Join your host Duncan McLeish and guests as they dissect horror films, old and new. No film is too gory, no film is too scary, no film is too violent for the podcast Under the Stairs. The podcast Under the Stairs can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com or on iTunes. The podcast Under the Stairs is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Podcasts. To avoid fainting, keep repeating to yourself, it's only a podcast, it's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. Okay, guys, and we're back to discuss Dracula Untold from 2014. Um, it was directed by Gary Shore. It was written by Matt Cezanne, um, Burke Sharpless, and Bram Stoker. Yeah, right. Of course, Bram um, Stoker would really want his name on this. Bram Stoker wrote literally none of this, um, except for perhaps the title. Yeah. Um, Actually, not even the title, really. I, no. I don't even think he would claim that. I think he would just watch this film and run as quickly yeah. as he could. So it stars Luke Evans as Vlad. Um, 
Sarah Gadden as Marina, Dominic Cooper uh, as Mehmed, Mehmed, I don't know. Yeah, Mehmed the second. Oh my god, Dominic Cooper is a, he's a cockney. Like, uh-huh. mate, oh, don't worry, we'll get on to that. Just go through, yeah. just go through the list before my anger just peaks. Art Pi- Art Parkinson as Ingeris and Charles Dance as Master Vampire. I don't really want to get into any other. I mean, obviously, it's got Dennis Penis on it um, he- as a mad monk. Yeah, Dennis Penis. Brother what, Lucian. What has happened to you? There we go. Um, so, as his kingdom is being threatened by the Turkish Empire, young Prince Vlad Tepes must become a monster fueled by his own people in order to obtain the power needed to protect his own family and the families of his kingdom. So, 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 this is ostensibly a kind of origin story for Dracula and it's it's basically Batman Begins but terrible have you muted yourself I was screaming at the wall <laughs> you were screaming at the wall no what are you going no for because oh because we've both seen this film uh-huh. we know what it's like oh it's, the, the, the problem is it's not actually that bad now we are gonna fall out. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just nothing. It's just it's just not very good. It's that's the problem. Yeah, it is it's it's like a fart on a train that you're currently leaving. That's that's how I would imagine it is. You know, it might affect some other people. Me personally, absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's oh god. And Dominic Cooper mm-hmm. as Mehmed. Mm-hmm. That's an actual character from history who's Turkish. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I'll, I'll just have a wee quick look on the Googles mm-hmm. and see where Dominic Cooper is from. Uh, what difference does it make where he's from? Uh, because... Well, he's from Greenwich in London, uh-huh. and they've fake tanned him to the point where it just seemed all right. Fair enough. It seemed wrong. Uh huh. And like they've tried to make Dominic Cooper look Turkish, whilst he's tried to make himself sound Turkish. And as soon as that character appeared, I was just thinking. There must be so many people that have gone to see this film that find his portrayal of this actual historical character to be incredibly offensive. I don't know. I just for for me, I mean, my my kind of main issue with it is that Dracula, as presented by Bram Stoker, has got virtually nothing to do with Vlad the Impaler. Yeah, that's true, and and that's that's something that it's it's a modern. I mean, it's a modern invention that 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 the story, um, the story of Dracula was, you know, was was the inspiration for 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 Bram Stoker's novel. Bram Stoker had only towards the end of his research into the book, um, came across the name Dracula. Yeah, and it was only at the tail end of that. I mean, obviously, the the, the reason it came to kind of prominence as as being 
a common story that that this that the Bram Stoker was was influenced by the story of Vlad the Impaler, and that the two things are synonymous. Um, it's purely because I lack information. Um, Bram Stoker's widow sold the working notes to Dracula, and up until the late seventies, the people didn't have the ability to actually look at uh, his working. Uh, and his research for uh, for the novel itself. So the, so, so the mid through. So basically, from the mid fifties through to the the late seventies, um, there was this kind of understanding that that that, that was that was what um, you know that was that was where it came from. But in actual fact, um, the, the links are are kind of tenuous at best. That's one thing that I find kind of, it's not offensive. I mean, I, I kind of get the idea behind it and I think it, I think they've done a fairly decent job in a lot of respects. I mean, it's got a, a good tone to it. It's a, it's a silly action adventure film. Um, it's certainly not uh, like Frankenstein, the well, I Frankenstein, where the tone is just absolutely ridiculous. This at least seems like, you know, there's a purpose to it, but, it's still not very good. Um, it's it's well it's it's well done and it's competent. Uh, it's just not very much fun. See, even if Bram Stoker had never written Dracula, and mm-hmm. this was the first time that this character was ever being used, uh-huh. Vlad the Impaler is not a romantic lead. He's just mm-hmm. not, and this is this is a film that's pretty much based on the idea that well, when Vlad the Impaler went home from the wars, he had a home life too. <laughs> you know, he's got like his wife and his kids mm-hmm. and all that, and I was just watching it thinking he's... No, he's a man who's historically known as a bastard. Mm-hmm. This is not a character that they should be making me try to sympathise with uh-huh. in any way. Mm-hmm. You know, like... He's somebody who used to stick people on sticks just... And then they try and rationalise it on the film by uh, having him... I think he's telling Dennis Penis Mm -hmm. that, oh, well, I did that so that people would be more afraid and therefore less people would have to die, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, yeah, you're humanitarian of the year, which... Mm -hmm. uh, Funnily enough, leads us back to Dominic Cooper because, of course, the only character that he's really good at playing is Howard Stark. Mm-hmm. But I mean, why not? Why with this? Why not just make Dracula, Vlad the Impaler? Why not make him just an absolute villain? Why not just yeah. doing that route? I mean, I don't, I don't understand why there's this need to try and make everyone into this kind of cookie cutter esque, uh, this kind of cookie cutter hero um, that 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 people can emp- will sympathise with or empathise with. I just, I, I think there's value in just making a villain and just just going there and saying this is who this person is. There's no need to to try and. I mean, you can have a character like Dracula, and you can have Bela Lugosi, and 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 your Christopher Lee's and so on, and they they portray the character with multiple levels. Yeah. So this is this is a dark character. He's a charming character, but he's ultimately a manipulator. He's ultimately a 
thousand year old monster from hell, and that's <laughs> this that's him. what's great about it. He's that's... misunderstood supposedly, according to this. Oh, he's he's secretly a nice guy at heart, and the only reason that he turns into this horrible, like massacring monster, apart from the fact that he has already massacred people before the film even begins is because he was just looking after his wife and his kid. No, Aye. it's just total... Oh, it's like it's the wrong tone for, uh-huh. for the film. It just doesn't work. And I, it basically looks like a video game. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, the CGI is is nice CGI if you're wanting that kind of thing, but mm-hmm. the story is abysmal. You don't see enough of anything in this film for it to actually be worth bothering with, I don't mm-hmm. think. It's like you don't see enough of they they have this whole thing where it's like his backstory is the his father was not a nice guy mm-hmm. and gave him to the Turkish Emperor when he was just a kid. I think they say he was thirteen or something mm-hmm. like that, and mm-hmm. then he went away and he fought in these wars where he becomes Vlad the Impaler and then comes home and everybody's like, oh, we're glad that Vlad the Impaler's back. No, Vlad the Impaler is not a nice guy. Uh It doesn't matter about the circumstances of why he became somebody that used to impale people. Uh He was somebody that used to just impale people. That's that's his entire story. His face is on all the money because... He's the ruler of the land, and they make it that when he's ruling the land and all his faces on the money, it's because he's gone back home and gone, oh, now I can be the nice guy again. But even he never was a nice guy because he was taken away and taught how to fight and put into an army at the age of 13. Mm-hmm. So, all so why, of, not, why not just go with that? Yeah. Why not just go with that? If anything, it would have been a good film if they'd stuck with he was taken away at this age and he was horribly damaged and it would have given his character like they could have put an inkling of duality in like mm-hmm. if if he was only suddenly realizing that he was a dick mm-hmm. to everybody for his entire life at sure. at the moment when they're saying you have to give us your son mm-hmm. and then he would suddenly go wait a minute, I actually care for this one. Mm-hmm. I should maybe not be a dick. Now I have to fight against them. And it would and also... There, there, you've, there you've got a turning point, absolutely. Yeah, and it also means that you have this believability of yep. his uh, like his capabilities to destroy an entire army on, him, on his own, basically. Uh-huh. Whereas in this, he's reticent to fight at every single point mm-hmm. and then when he like I mean why is Charles Dance even in this film mm-hmm. like he's supposed even if they were going with the the accidental connection between Dracula and Vlad the Impaler he's supposed to be the first mm-hmm. and now in Dracula Untold he's not the first mm-hmm. he's at best the third and yep. that doesn't really make any sense, especially since apparently they weren't going to look to do a sequel. Mm-hmm. 
So if you're not looking to do a sequel, why would you have, why would you basically introduce a nemesis for him? Mm-hmm. It just, the entire film is just... Do you believe that? Uh, because, I, I mean, I've read that. I've read that the end sequence was hastily added, but to be honest, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure watching it either, especially considering they've got Charles Dance to play. I mean, why would you, uh-huh. why would you call Charles Dance to play a character who appears in a film for one minute? Mm-hmm. Basically, I mean, like, well, I, I think Charles Dance is in it for about a minute. The rest of it is just CGI and people running away from cameras that are supposed to be Charles Dance's character. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it really makes no sense at all. But, yeah, I, I really, I hated this film with a passion. Okay. And that was bef- yeah. that was before... I knew that this is now supposedly the jumping off point for a reboot of the Universal Monsters classics. True. So this is actually going to be a part of the Universal Monsters uh, reboot then? Yes. Definitely? Yes. This, right, that's okay. that's uh, supposedly why they tagged on that end scene, was so that he's not dead. Because, uh-huh. oh, spoiler alert, he sacrifices himself at the end whilst he's standing surrounded by tents looking like there's absolutely nowhere I can get out of this sunlight. There's a tent three feet behind you, you numpty. Mm-hmm. Just sit in the tent. He spends half the film sitting in tents to avoid yep. the sun. And sure. then at the moment when it would be advantageous for him to have a tent nearby, there is... It's right there, and he doesn't go in it. He just lets himself die. And that's like, oh, the glorious sacrifice. I've saved everybody, and... No, doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And then Dennis... It's like, he... It shows you him basically melting away into kind of dust and blowing away in the wind. Five minutes later, Dennis Penis is pouring some blood from his hand onto a fully formed corpse. Mm-hmm. Where'd that come from? Yeah. That was my biggest disappointment in this entire film, was uh, Paul Kay. True. To be honest, because I, I really like Paul Kay as an actor, and... I have to say I didn't think much of Dennis Penis either. For, uh, sorry, no, Paul, no Dennis Penis, I'm saying that's the same guy. Um, Charles Dance either? No, I mean, Charles Dance didn't really... He just... I think he was paid to stand there and like be Charles mm-hmm. Dance. Mm-hmm. Which is sad because they're both two people that, I mean, fair enough. Dennis Penis was a comedy character and mostly appeared in these like piss take things, but mm-hmm. but the other work that Paul K has done, apart from those horrible Ask Victor adverts, <laughs> the Black Ball as well. I mean, Black Ball's a fun film. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, who who's expecting like an offbeat sweary comedy about lawn bowls? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, 2,000 Acres of Sky was a BBC series that was in years ago that was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's he's in Lilyhammer as a character who's horrible and abusive and looks just like his character in Dracula Untold. Right, okay, okay. But, yeah, this, this film, no... If this is what the Universal Monsters series is going to be like, I'm really not interested. I'm, mm-hmm. 
actually quite depressed about the idea of there being a Wolfman film that's going to be like this, and mm -hmm. the Mummy one comes out next year. Right. And, you know, some people are pissed off that, oh, they did Mummy films like 15 years ago and now they're doing more. But if they're doing a reboot of the Universal Monsters films, then those Mummy films from 15 years ago wouldn't be relevant. Mm -hmm. But the mummy, the first mummy from 15 years ago looks like it would fit in perfectly with this Dracula. Sure, sure. So if they're going to redo the mummy to fit in with this Dracula, they're just going to remake the mummy again. Mm -hmm. it's, and the Wolfman, that's going to be awful. And I imagine I don't, I don't... the creature from the Black Lagoon is going to be a rom-com. You, you wonder how, I mean, on paper, it's very, very difficult, I think, to to get the tone right for a lot of these characters. Like, Dracula is... I would say Dracula and Frankenstein are relatively easy to, to get the tone right for those. Wolfman, not too bad. But the mummy, creature for the Black Lagoon, being able to recreate those um, and to, to do something useful with those, I think, is very difficult. I think... Um, Obviously, Universal was a huge success with the Mummy series, um, astonishingly popular and uh, you know very well liked by lots and lots of people. Um, I mean, I just think it's like people are obviously saying that they're surprised that it's an action adventure film, but the 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 series is going to be based on action and adventure rather than being based on horror. And you look at the films that Universal has made over the years. Um, <laughs> and they've always been in that vein. If you're talking about Van Helsing, you're talking about The Mummy. Um, I, I don't know if League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is universal, but any time that they've used those characters and any time that they've, they've went down that road, it's always been action-adventure that, the, that they've utilised. Um, so I don't know why why people are surprised that that's that the case for these ones. And I mean, Dracula is... Is very much an action adventure film rather than, not, rather than any kind of horror film. Well, I, I think the main reason that I was surprised is because they did say that they were going to reboot that old series, uh -huh. which kind of suggests well, it suggested to me initially that what they weren't interested in was just doing another Underworld series. Mm hmm. Sure. I, Frankenstein, and Dracula Untold mm -hmm. both look and feel like... It's they, Underworld I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. they, they mm -hmm. both look and feel like the action elements of Underworld films, but I mean, these this new Universal Monster series doesn't seem like it's going to offer very much to me because it's based on things that I've already seen. Sure. I mean, it's... Like, if they're going to reboot the Universal Monster series, then I would like to see, like, the Frankenstein that I would be quite interested in would be a feature film version of the National Theatre version that I went to see at the cinema the other week. Uh huh. Sure. Because it was it was really good. It was mm -hmm. it was very interesting, and it it wasn't particularly horror. But at the same mm -hmm. time. When I watch the original Frankenstein, I don't particularly class it as mm -hmm. horror. It's it's a drama. Mm -hmm. 
But I mean, I think the the main thing that we're really looking for beyond anything else is at least some awareness of the the source material and at least some kind of attempt to stick to the tone. And I think, mm. to Hammer's credit, as much as they screwed around with virtually everything about those films, they still managed to maintain a, a rel- relatively consistent tone, even when it was even when they were doing really stupid and dumb stuff. They still managed <laughs> to maintain maintain a similar tone uh, to to that. And as much as it's a, it's a more violent uh, group of films, there was still that that respect for the the tradition. Um, yeah, you'd get for, that that opening thing that would say a small town in Bavaria. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And absolutely. you're not you're not going to get that with these. You're just going to get like this might as well be another planet. For mm-hmm. anybody cares, it's just well. I mean, in fairness, Universal was always of that. Uh, you know, the, it was always this indeterminate Europe that never existed anywhere. Um, it, but it was uh, that country that Doctor Doom. Real. Absolutely, Latveria. Latveria, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, I was going to just briefly note that I also watched the House of Frankenstein uh, mini series, and I was hoping to be able to say, yeah, that's really worth checking out, as a, um, because I had quite fond memories of it, because I saw it when it was originally aired on TV, but I've never actually been able to chase it up, so my mind has kind of built this TV series up as being fantastic. So it's basically a two-part um each each part is ninety minutes long, um, and it's a similar idea to Monster Squad, except except it's done in the style of police procedural. So various people who would later go on to be in NCIS and CSI and Law and Order and that type of thing are in it. Oh, I was so hoping that every show that you mentioned there was going to just be letters. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's available on YouTube just now, and it's uh, House of Frankenstein, nineteen ninety-seven. Um, let's get grungy vampires and uh, gnarly special effects and uh, what's other nineties stuff. But the the one bit that I really liked about it, and the one bit that made me think that stuck in my mind from when I was younger, when I originally saw it, was um, Frankenstein gets adopted by uh, a blind. Uh, homeless per- well sorry a blind veteran um, I thought to say they're, they're letting homeless people adopt kids sorry yeah that would have been I'm, funny though that would yeah I meant, I meant befriended but he, be- he befriends a blind uh, veteran who is wearing a hoodie instead of the, the monk's habit he is wearing a wearing a hoodie which I thought was great and I, I really dug um, but that obviously was the only good thing about the <laughs> about the, the show so do you now think that was just an accident no no it was del- it was deliberate but it was just uh, was it? It was a- yeah yeah it definitely was um, the whole thing was set up to, to do that and it was yeah very very deliberate and lots of deliberate nods to a variety of things like the there's a she-wolf with the same haircut as uh, the character in She-Wolf London um, different different things like that. So, um, yeah. But aside from that, it was pretty rotten. 
Very this, rotten and fine. That's a thumbs up from Roscoe. Oh, uh-huh. I actually only watched the first the first episode, then decided it was uh, terrible. I skipped to the end actually and watched uh, the last five minutes. Do, do you mean like, nah. the, Do you mean all of the first episode, or do you mean the first section segment of it on YouTube? No, I watched the 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 first the first the whole of the first episode. Yeah, because I haven't watched it yet. I mean, you you pointed out the link to me, but I haven't had a chance yet. And I was yeah. I was looking forward to it. Until now, <laughs> it's crazy. It's worth it for a, worth it for a, a laugh. Oh, you know me. I'll end up watching it. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, guys. So I think that's uh, that's a definitive not a recommend. Um, so we're giving that a bit. Yeah. Two 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 thumbs up out of ten. Uh, I'm taking it to the canal and uh, dropping it in the canal in a bag full of rocks. Very much. I, I would I would just say it's not a terrible film, but I certainly wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, I would. I think if you if you're looking for action adventure, stuff, watch Van Helsing. No, I I didn't mind Van Helsing. Actually, uh, I visited my mother recently. And I, would you not much rather watch Van Helsing than watch this? I would actually much rather watch uh, Hansel and Gretel. Okay, fair enough. That was, okay, because I that was the the Gemma Gemma Arterton one, or well, I wasn't going to say that I'd rather watch it just because Gemma Arterton's in it, but mm, that might that might also sway me because I think she's a great actress. Funnily enough, she's in a film with Dominic Cooper. There we go. That's Which a, film is that? Tamara Drew. Oh, of course. There we go. Oh, have you seen Tamara Drew as well? I've, I believe I have seen Tamara Drew. Yeah. That's about a country girl. What is it, a girl who moves to the country or something like that? And was it is, yep. And who else is in it? No, David Jason. David Jason. Who else is in it? I honestly can't remember. There is one other person that I, that I can remember was in it because... Uh, have you ever seen the Saoirse Ronan film Hannah? I haven't. No, it's I haven't. a it's a very good film, but she. Well, Luke Evans is also in it. Luke Evans is also. Oh, maybe it's Luke Evans. It's also in Tamara Drew, not Dominic Cooper. No, and Dominic Cooper. Oh, for fuck's sake! This is like a reunion for them then. It is. Yes. Uh, funnily enough, uh-huh. you know how like the last couple of weeks we did those uh, really bad quizzes. Yeah. And, and then we went, let's never do a quiz again. Uh-huh. I've got a quiz for you. Oh wow! It's it's a quiz based on the IMDb rating of various Luke Evans films. Okay, and a new segment that we like to call Evans knows I'm miserable now. <laughs> very poor, very poor, very poor. <laughs> okay, right. So uh, it is the it's the old higher or lower thing again going right back Uh to Timlin's timeline and Uh we will start with Dracula Untold because I can hear you typing away there like look heavens IMDB quite no I was I was (laughs) I was I was making arrangements with with uh, one of my friends alright well (laughs) what you have to do is say whether the IMDB rating for the next film is higher or lower and we will start with Dracula Untold, which has an IMDb rating of an incredibly depressing 6.3. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. That's at least uh, 6.2 points higher than I would put it. Okay. So, Dracula but Untold... 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, Three Musketeers. Uh, higher. Lower! Oh. That's 5.8. 5.8. Okay, so, I'll remember that. The Raven. The Raven Lower. Higher! Six Seriously? 6.4. Really? Clash of the Titans. That was terrible. Lower. That is lower. 5.8. The exact same as Three Musketeers. Okay, okay. Now, Robin Hood. Not the Prince of Thieves joint, but the one with uh, that guy that goes fighting around the world. Alright, okay. Um, so that's higher than. That is higher. That's 6.7. Here we go. <laughs> so that that's a draw. That means I now have to come up with a tiebreaker. Tiebreaker question, right? The tiebreaker is Tamara Drew. Tamara Drew. And what was the the previous score? It's, oh wait, wait, you've been on the Tamara Drew IMDb page, haven't you? No, I haven't. No, what was the previous uh, score? 6.7. 6.7. So lower. It is lower, 6.2. Oh, so I win. So you win this one. Yay. What did I get? Uh, you get my lasting love. Oh, that's nice. Okay, so very cool. So guys, thank you very much once again for listening. We very much appreciate it. Gil, have you got anything further that you'd like to add? AOB? AOB? Any, Any other, other business? business? Uh-huh. Uh, no, I'm usually just TCOB. TCOB? What's that? Elvis. It was like his taking care of business. Oh, there you go. That was, like like El- that was Elvis's motto. There we go. Taking care of business, which is quite so- <laughs> quite funny considering he died taking care of business. That is true. That is true. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we're stuck to our theme. <laughs> we uh, have. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy writing the uh, writing the description for this week's episode. Yeah. Um. So, guys, thank you very much once again for listening. Um. As ever, you can find us at Bedacious Horror on Twitter and Gil Rokitansky. That's at Gil Rokitansky, since Gil is not professional enough to to give his uh, Twitter handle correctly. No, you see, I was uh, giving my Twitter handle to Twitter users who surely understand that the at comes before every username. I'm sure they do, I'm sure they do. Um, so, yes, uh, in addition, you can find us in the club or at www.bodacioushorror.co.uk um, for all your bodaciousness and all your uh, excellence, the, uh, all, everything, all of your bodacious needs, put it that way. And sipping on gin and juice. Sipping on gin and juice, absolutely. We're on Facebook, um, and we always appreciate getting lovely messages. Lots of people have have sent us little messages and stuff last week, but we never organ we never organised enough to to actually take a note of the people that have maybe posted nice things on our our pages or highlighted stuff to us. Um, but I think Sean McFall was one of them. Yes. Uh huh. Um, trying to think of some others. Mister Maney was one. Um, I love the way you call him Mister. It's Mister Mini. Mister Mini. 
Mr. Mini. There we go. Um, who else? Has there been any other? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, thank you very much indeed to everyone for listening and for being lovely and sending us nice, nice messages of support and different stuff like that. So we very much appreciate it. Um, we'll be back next week. Do we have a determined topic yet, Gil? Uh, none of our topics are ever that determined, are they? No one. No. <laughs> also, we haven't even decided what films we're going to watch. So, you know, I, I think determined topic is apple juice. We're going to be more more prepared next week. We promise. Yes. And we'll, we'll stick to this promise. Uh, even you more seriously. Even even more seriously than we did when we said that we'd release an episode every week. You know, every time you promise something. An angel. An angel loses its wits. <laughs> right, okay. Guys, thank you very much indeed for listening. And please, don't have nightmares. But do download this week's to drink minimum commentary because we're going for the Christmas number one. Boom! And we'll be back after next week. <laughs> See you next Tuesday. <laughs> You're all I've ever wanted. Sickness and then health till death do us part.